Is your career not quite moving in the direction you want it to? That's because building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career more like climbing a rock wall. Thankfully, you found the Career Progressions Podcast brought to you by RevealTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Olin. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they will share with you will help you find the climbing holes they use to get to where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. Let's begin our conversation today talking about Sarah. Sarah has always been described as a highly organized and detail-oriented individual. She excels at creating schedules and managing resources. And early on, she thought about becoming a teacher because she enjoyed guiding others to achieve their goal. But you know what? Something just didn't click. Then she found a book called Do What You Are that helped her dig into her personality type. She discovered that her type was ISTJ, which stands for Introverted Sensing, Thinking, and Judging. The book went into great detail about her careers that would be good fits, perhaps, for her personality type. And one in particular, event planning, ignited a passion in her. She's started pursuing things like event management courses and networked with people in the field. As a result, she found a role in event planning and has never been happier. Choosing a career based on her personality turned out to be life-changing. So what about you? Are you struggling to find rewarding work? Have you considered that it might be hiding behind your personality? Well, today I've invited the author of the book, Do What You Are, to join me for a conversation about how personality can unlock the career of your dreams. Paul Teeger has dedicated over four decades to applying the Young Meyer model that aims to enhance people's lives through understanding personality types. His book is now in its sixth edition and has helped over a million people find career satisfaction. Today, we hope to add you to that list. So welcome to the show, Paul. Good to see you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. So, you know, the story I led with about Sarah, that actually, as you know, comes right out of your book. And it's really stories like her that make the concepts you talk about in the book really jump off the page. So can you start by talking a little bit about how you researched the book and assembled stories like Sarah's? Sure. Well, first of all, let me just say that Do What You Are came out. The first edition was about 25 years ago. Wow. It was a very new concept because before that, the general thing was if you match a person's values, interests, and skills with a potential job, if you get enough of those first three ingredients, you're going to find career satisfaction. <clears throat> but it turns out that all three of those are very transitory, especially in young people when they're making you know important career decisions. Right. Um, you know, values, interests, skills, they're basically your parents' values unless you're rebelling. Their interests, your interests are limited to what you've experienced or been exposed to. And, and same thing with skills. But the only thing that's constant is your personality type. And so one of the big breakthroughs, uh, contributions of do what you are, is to recognize a personality type is perhaps, in my judgment, the most important element that up until then had been neglected when considering what's going to bring you <clears throat> career satisfaction. So as you mentioned, it's now the sixth edition. Mm. Um, and I, I think the reality is that it, it's, it's uh, 
we did a lot of research by talking to, we started off with people that we knew, um, right. whose types we knew. Um, and then we started looking for, you know, broadening our base, people of different types who seem to be um, in the right places. And then we figured out, kind of reverse engineered, what was it about them, about their personalities that made that a good fit with their careers and did a lot, a lot of research, probably the most extensive research that has ever been done. I'm sure it is actually uh, around type and career satisfaction and success. Wow. So as you did all that research, I mean, were there some common misconceptions that kept coming up about personality types and careers? Was there anything like that? Well, I think that the most common thing is <clears throat> whenever something becomes very popular, there are always people who like to criticize it and take sure. shots at it, right? And and so especially for people who don't understand the richness of the personality type, the what I call the Young slash Myers, J-U-N-G slash Myers model, <clears throat> it's easy to say, to think, this is somebody just trying to put me in a in a box to pigeonhole me. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as more finding your home base. Um, you, some people have described it as kind of your favorite room in your house, the place you're most comfortable. So uh, I think the most common misconception is that it's too limiting when in fact it's very, very broad um, and freeing. I would say that's the most, if there's a misconception, that's it. But yeah. people are, are easily disimbued of that, um, of that notion once they start to read about their own profile and go, whoa, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and, you know, I, I want to jump into all the profiles, but I know when when we prepared for our conversation today, you shared it'd probably be a little difficult to get into all of them in a meaningful way with the time we've got. Sure. But you thought maybe a conversation around the four temperaments could be pretty valuable. Can you talk about that or maybe lead us into that? Sure. Well, I look at the temperaments. There are four different temperaments as sort of the core of each of the personality types. And there's sort of 16 different personality types. And there's four types that really fall under each one of these four temperaments. Okay. So I don't want to get too confusing here, but let me explain a little bit more about that. Um, temperament is really the work of, um, of a guy named David Kiersey, who was a California psychologist. He wrote his book, I think, in the early 1970s. <clears throat> and when he was researching uh, people, he went back as far as 450 BC, and Hippocrates wow. had identified these four different types um, throughout history. Middle Ages, parcelist, and through modern psychologists and uh, Native American spirit keepers and uh, Hindu wisdom, all whenever people looked um, at at human beings, they seemed to see these four different groups, and those groups really aligned with what Kiersey saw in Isabel Meyer's work on the personality types. <clears throat> so he came up with these four temperaments that I embraced early on, and I found it really useful. And I can explain a little bit about what they are. In my nice. books, I call one group, first group, traditionalists. And traditionalists, as the name implies, are people who really steady, eddy, solid, dependable, responsible. Uh, they're about service. They like to follow the rules. They do, do the things that make sense. They're not people who rock the boat or, um, or, or, or try to uh, change things up. They're very comfortable with routines and, and convention. And they're about 46% of the population. Um, then there's another group which I call experiencers. And experiencers are very different. There are a few people who really uh, like to eat, drink, and be merry, enjoy their, their daily life, have a good time. They're free spirits. They take risks. Um, and they're about 27% of the population. 
Okay. And then the third group um, I call conceptualizers are the people who are all about competence and excellence and knowledge and intellectual challenges. Uh, and they're about 10% of the population. And the last group are called, in my books, called idealists. And those are the folks who really are all about people and meaning and relationships and philosophy and psychology and understanding why people do the things that they do. And what we found is that people gravitate to uh, occupations that make use of who they are as what their greatest strengths are, their natural strengths. So for example, traditionalists gravitate to organizations that have a lot of structure, there's clear expectations, they know what's coming down the road, they get their work done, they get their in-basket, then they get their out-basket, and they can see that they've been productive during the day. <clears throat> they do things, um, traditionalists really dominate uh, organizations, churches, temples, schools, hospitals, businesses, anywhere where there's systems that have to be followed. The ideal, I'm sorry, the experiencers are people who really do not like to sit behind a desk. They don't like to follow the rules. They like to uh, respond in real time to what's going on. A lot of these people become first responders, firefighters, police officers, military people, surgeons, you know, people that, that really have to respond in the moment. And there aren't a lot of rules about how they do their job. <clears throat> the conceptualizers are really the people who are interested in, often interested in science, technology, mm. uh, the law, certain aspects of the law, and people that are really forward thinking, big picture visionaries that like to imagine uh, what the world's gonna be like and then try to come up with ways to, um, to improve it. And the idealists are the folks who really are all about people and self-development, um, they're, 20, I'm sorry, about 17% of the population, but about 80% therapists. Mm. So it makes sense. So those people, those idealists, it doesn't mean all of them become therapists, but a lot of them find satisfaction in sitting across the, the, the table from somebody or in a room with somebody, understanding where they're coming from and trying to make sense of that and help these people live a more healthy life. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So I'm, you know, I'm wondering as you're going through all that. So is so is the problem that you get some of these folks with these temperaments, and and they end up in the wrong kind of work. So I mean, in your research and and as you've been around this issue, how often is is that the real problem we need to fix? <laughs> well, there's no stats that I've ever seen about it, but anecdotally, mm. I've heard that at least, and I would believe this is true, at least. Half the people who are, you know, grown-ups in jobs now, if they had a do-over, they wouldn't be doing what they what they chose to do. Yeah. And and I'll tell you why that happens. Um, it's it, it makes a lot of sense because when people make decisions, um, usually if they're privileged enough to be making those kind of decisions, they're 18, 19 years old, they're gonna go to college, if they have that opportunity. Um, you know, what what's what am I gonna major? The schools force them into a decision by the time they're 19, 20 years old, certainly. Um yeah. If you think back, Mark, to what, you know, you're a pretty smart guy. Think back to what you knew about yourself at 19. Yeah. I know I didn't know much about myself. Um, I made a lot of, you know, decisions based on poor, faulty information. So um, somebody thinks they might be interested in something. They declare a major. Now they spend $200,000 getting this degree. They might as well give it a shot. Mm -hmm. They become a, a business guy. They go into business. 
And then maybe they get married and they have some kids, they get a mortgage and all of a sudden they're 35, 40 and they're going, I can't afford to leave this job. Doesn't mean it's giving them satisfaction. I would argue because it's not satisfying who they naturally are, <clears throat> meaning their temperament and their type. But a lot of people feel stuck and they stay. And that's why probably half, at least half the people would choose to do something different. I think if they had a choice. Yeah. And you know, I've, um, I've actually done the work to figure out which one I, I think I am as we go through it. Uh, and as you went through the list, you know, an idealist is really more of, of, I think who I am, but you know, right. I spent 26 years in, in a lot of leadership roles and I got the yeah. opportunity, I think to, you know, live out some of, you know, my, my temperaments, but it's truly this job that I think you know aligns more. You know, being a career counselor and and working with folks to help them kind of figure out their purpose. So you know, I definitely can see the you know, the value of that. Let me ask you this: so so I have a son who's yep. who's graduating from college soon. He'll be yep. uh, graduating very soon, and like a lot of kids his age, he doesn't really have a clear idea about what he wants to do. So I'm really excited to get him kind of connected with your work and get him thinking through this. But if I had to make a guess based on what I know of my son, I would say he's an experiencer. That seems like the the temperament that's him. So if if that turns out to be the case, how would you advise somebody like him? <clears throat> well, good question. And let me say this. I don't think people really have a, a developed brain until they're like 30 years old. <laughs> the science seems to suggest that. So um the jury's still out on this in terms of what he's really going to end up finding satisfaction in. But yeah. for experiencers in general, the kinds of things, one of the, one of the, let me back up for a second and say that one of the discoveries in Do What You Are was we came up with 10 career satisfiers for each of the 16 personality types. So the mm -hmm. temperament is the broad cut, but the individual types is really the granularity. And okay. so in the book, we're able to say, to get really specific about what are the kind of things that you, as an INFJ, introvert, intuitive, feeling, judging type, one of the mm -hmm. types, versus mm -hmm. somebody who's an extrovert, intuitive, feeling, perceiving type, which is a different type, right? But yeah. one of the things in common, <clears throat> um, so I would say for experiencers, some of the things that they often need is kind of a casual work setting without too many rules. They don't like people looking over their shoulder. They usually don't like sitting at a desk. They like to be physically engaged. They like to be able to move around, get outside, do things. Um, they often like performing real kind of concrete tasks as opposed to working with theories and concepts and and those more abstract, more abstractions. Yeah. They need to enjoy what they're doing. They like to have fun. They like to have a good time. Um, they like to work with people that are also like them. We all do. That are that are uh, more easygoing, more relaxed, uh, a, a setting that that doesn't that doesn't have too many too many restrictions on them, and they like freedom. They like the freedom to act um, and not be micromanaged. So those are five bullets, career satisfiers for experiencers. Your son might be one of whom, mm. one of whom your son might be in general. But if you look and do what you are for each of the types, the sixteen types, there'll be ten. And we don't say that all of these are true for you, but you will be able to find, every person should be able to find at least three or four that are really important for that person. And that's what's going to inform, that can help inform their decisions. So, Paul, let me say back what I think I heard there. So the temperament is really going to encompass four of the types, right? 
Yep. That's how that sets. And you said that the types that you guys make recommendations about 10 types of career per type. So technically, if I have ten, yeah. a particular 10 ten, ten, ten career satisfiers, career satisfiers. OK, a lot, so, a lot, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of careers. Gotcha. But only 10 satisfiers. So from a temperament standpoint, since there are four categories within that, there's like 40 career satisfiers. Am I I mean, that could any one of those potentially apply to my temperament? No, I think I, I, I might have confused you, Mark. I'm okay. sorry. Um, <laughs> See, and you said I was smart. <laughs> well, you are smart. But uh, for each of the 16 types, right, yeah. we provide 10 potential career satisfiers. Okay. So there's literally 160, but they only only 10 of them relate to you, right? Got it. To each type. Okay. Um, so when you look at this book, you see your type. You look up, you'll see 10 potential career satisfiers. And we say, take a look at these. Figure out, see if you can identify which ones are most valid for you. And you might say, no, one, three, and five are the ones. Somebody else of your type might say six, nine, and 10, right? So that's what makes it very individualized. The temperament satisfiers that I just ran through for you were much broader because there's there are only four different temperaments. Makes sense. I hope so. Well, so, you know, in... In the context of my son and him potentially, you know, being in that experience or role, right. which you described about that, that sounds dead on, at least of who he is now. And I and I take to heart the point you made that, you know, he may still evolve over time, sure. uh, you know, as he continues to kind of get through the early stages of his life. But it sounds like it's not a bad path to run on. But not let's at look at some of the other ones. So the, the conceptualizers. Sure. So I'm guessing, you know, these would be the Steve Jobs of the world. Is that a They are. Assessment? They're, they're all those... All those smarty pants that have brought us all the tech stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So conceptualizers in general, not true for every single one, what they need for career satisfiers, first of all, work that continually challenges them. They, they are a lot of these people are college professors, but not elementary school teachers, mm. right? Yeah. They're both, they're both teachers, they're both educators, but college educators are involved with theories and complex notions and complex problem solving and thought processes. Where elementary school teachers are, you know, learning to to, to drill some, you know, uh, uh, alphabets into people's heads. Mm -hmm. So, what conceptualizers tend to need is work that is intellectually challenging, um, that allows them to apply their creativity because they're good problem solvers and they're creative. Something that allows them to continue to learn and develop because these are lifelong learners. Something that gives them a lot of independence. They don't like being told what to do. Um, and they've got this combination of vision and logic. So they're, they need to work for competent people um, because they're very competent and they need to respect the people they work for. And they're very success oriented. So it's got to be a career where they can move up the ladder. Mm. Um, and I will tell you that if you had 100 of these people in a room, I would bet 90 of them would say yes, 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 and yes to that list. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't doubt it at all. Well, what about uh, what about the traditionalists? My, uh, I would I would bet you anything. My wife is a traditionalist. She would be the first to tell you she would. She is all about the rules, and she does love to have a track to run on, yeah. not necessarily that. So, what okay. uh, what tends to be the the right career uh, moves for those folks? Well, in terms of career satisfiers, I mean, yeah. you're talking about satisfiers. Then there's a million careers that go with these. Which yeah. we've identified in the book based on different categories, healthcare, business, technology, et cetera. But what in general, what, what traditionalists find uh they need for satisf 
for satisfaction, a stable, predictable work environment. They don't want to go in there every day and, and have a new assignment, as opposed to the experiencers who do. They like the yeah. adrenaline rush of the change, and they don't know what's going to happen. But traditionalists really need to know what to expect. They really want to be of service. Um, these are the people that run the churches, the temples, the schools, the hospitals, the rotary clubs, the you know all the volunteer organizations. They need clear expectations and directions. They don't they don't do well with ambiguity. Mm. They need a, a boss who's saying, "We're having a. I need you to set up this conference," um, and they need to be told it's going to be on February fifteenth. There's going to be a hundred people there. It's going to go from eight o'clock to five o'clock. We're going to have 10 speakers, all the specifics and details. And if they have those, they want to execute them because they need to be productive and be able to see the results of the, of the fruits of their labor. Um, and they have to have a lot of, of, of a high level of responsibility and control because they are driven to doing a good job. Does that sound yeah. like your wife? Yes, it very much does. And, you know, and it's funny, as you describe all that, it sounds like a traditionalist, they probably prefer to work with conceptualizers and I may be saying that too generally, but they need somebody who's going to carve out that vision and then just tell me what, what do you want me to do to help? Is that right? Well, you know what? It's a very good question, Mark. I think that I wouldn't say they prefer to work with them, but they, they have a different role to play. Hmm. It's the conceptualizers that dream up the new stuff, right? It's the traditionalists that actually get that stuff done. Yeah. So we need people different from us. We need the conceptualizers to come up with the stuff, to forecast the future, to see what the trends are going to be like, to do that kind of stuff. And then we need traditionalists to operationalize it. But the conceptualizers can drive the traditionalists crazy if they don't give them enough direction and explicit instructions. Yeah. When they yeah. learn to do that, then they get along really well. Well, yeah, what, what's exciting about this work that you're doing with this book and what you're bringing to light with it is I'm thinking, you know, from a, from a job seeker standpoint, the folks that I work with all the time, it really reframes how you do a lot of things. You know, I can see, you know, if they put the energy into understanding these things that you're talking about and, and truly understanding who they are as a personality, you know, when you go into an interview and you get to that time when it's time for you to start asking them questions, I, I think it changes the questions you're asking. It gives you the opportunity to really talk about some of these things. So tell me about the work environment. Is it going to allow me to do this and that? And you can pair that up with your personality. Would you uh, would you get on board with that line of thinking? Oh, absolutely. I think that one of the one of the really rich things about this model is it's useful in every aspect of the career development process. It's mm -hmm. useful in terms of figuring out who you are and what you need, which is what we're talking about which specific jobs, so then you can research jobs and, and either in an interview situation or just researching, know what, I mean, you can find out anything about any job these days, right? right. So um, how much of how much of it involves, you know, initiative? How much of it involves direction? How much is flexible? How much is not flexible? How much schooling do you need? You can find out all that stuff online very easily. <clears throat> but to your point, I think that understanding your own type can be enormously helpful in an interview situation because first of all, you can emphasize, not only can you learn about the job from the interviewer to see if that's a good match, but you can also impress the interviewer by understanding your strengths and potential blind spots. So for example, an interviewing process favors um, extroverts mm -hmm. because you get a short amount of time and an interview will ask your question 
And, you know, an in, they don't usually have time for the introvert to go, hmm, let me right. see. That's a good question. Because, you know, you don't have the time for that. And the, and the person doesn't have the patience for that. But if the introvert knows that, they really think things through, which they do beforehand, then they can actually think these questions out beforehand and have a ready answer. So that's just one example of uh, of how knowing your own type can help you uh, score better in an interview. Interesting. Yeah. And so I hope folks are kind of taking this to thought. I mean, again, as you start understanding your personality, you need to be thinking about your interview, how you come across in your resume that so that your personality reflects and you you get a better match. Yeah. Well, let me let me go back to <laughs> excuse me to another concept here, Paul. I mean, you you mentioned the original book was written over 20 years ago. Yep. Man, the world has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Just a completely changed landscape in a lot of ways. So, how do you think the concepts of the book have evolved with the six editions and just as as it's grown over that amount of time? Well, I think the reality is it's the concept of using this model has only gotten stronger as we've gotten more and more evidence. I mean, now there's literally over a million people have bought Do What You Are, but but the Jung-Myers model is used routinely in career counseling centers and colleges and even in high schools. Some of the programs that I've created have been used in thousands of high schools. So I think it's been borne out, it's been reinforced, um, and it's only gotten to be more integral to the part to the prop to the process of career development yeah yeah for sure well and another thing that has changed a lot technology uh it's really impacted the the current present of careers and will continue to impact the future of career development how do you think technology is going to impact that and also the personality type analysis what, uh, what do you think well first let me say this i am not a fan of digital technology mm. So I'm, I might say things that some of your listeners might not agree with, especially if they're younger. But I think while digital technology can be very helpful, um, especially in the medical field, I think that the minuses far outweigh the benefits and has actually changed our national and global value system mm. to one that puts convenience ahead of pretty much anything else. We can get information, we can order our coffee, we can you know, get stuff on Amazon in 20 minutes. We can do all that stuff, but there is a price that we pay for that. Yeah. But I don't want to, you know, I don't get off on rant here. <laughs> I will say that the answer to your question, I don't see the digital technology, especially A1, uh, I'm sorry, um, <clears throat> AI um, as making humans any smarter, any yeah. healthier, or any happier. I think that it's made the processes more streamlined, um, but I don't think we're coming up with better. Uh, better decisions or or things that people are uh, that that's moving humanity in the right direction. Um, I think in terms of personality type analysis, it it it's probably something that um, is becoming more and more automated as yeah. we speak. Um, so I, I I just think the concepts of the Jung Meyer model is very are very strong. Um, they 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 um, have not changed much because. They don't really need to. The human mind has not changed much. Um, I guess that's the way I would answer the question. No, it's good. And and you're you you have a fair point about it for sure. Uh, you know, I've often commented that uh the wonder years are over. I mean, you don't have to wonder about anything anymore because you can just look down at your phone and and search out the answer. Uh so that is going to have an impact 
some good impact, but also some some uh, negative impact. So uh, definitely a good point to it. Well, Paul, as we get towards the end of the show, I always ask my guests if they'd be willing to get maybe a little vulnerable and share something personal about their own careers. So for the context of our conversation, would you be willing to share maybe a, a transformative moment or story from your career that was related to your personality type and the research? <clears throat> sure. I, I'll give you two. Oh, um, the first one is uh, I'm a feeling type. I'm an intuitive feeling type. I'm an idealist. Um, when I got to be about 40, I became really interested in the law, which is very much of a thinking mm. kind of objective uh, framework. And I became a jury consultant. So I spent about 30, 35 years being a jury consultant, working with trial lawyers who are really gladiators. I mean, it's a very contentious, yeah. combative <clears throat> experience. Um, but it was part of my own development. So it's not what I was born with, but another good thing about personality type is it's a developmental model. And as we go through life, we develop different aspects of our personality type. I believe everyone is born with a type and they have that type their whole life. But as they grow, <clears throat> they start to access different parts of their personality. But the point about the vulnerability I will share with you is that, um, you know, just because I know stuff doesn't mean I always take my own advice. Hmm. I don't think I'm alone in that in that uh, in that sad story. Um, <clears throat> but if I were if I were doing this over, I probably would not have started my business, which was about 17 or 18 years ago, um, which was training people in personality type. I trained a lot of career counselors, therapists, lawyers, doctors, all kinds of folks. Um, I would have continued to do that, but not as a businessman. I uh, hmm. I'm not naturally wired as a business guy, and I. If I had to do it over, I think I would have had more satisfaction by being the guy who does it rather than being the guy who tries to run the organization, if mm. that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, um, do I do I I don't have any huge regrets about it. Um, I think we learn by what we do. You can't be someplace until you're there. But I would say that um um uh, it has allowed me to that business has allowed me to uh to live my passion. But I could have done it in a in a way that would have been truer to my own gifts. Yeah. Well, and that man, that's a. Uh, I appreciate the point, the framing of it, and you know, for folks here, I mean, even the guy that writes the book, I mean, it's life isn't <laughs> a perfect thing, right? That's it's, right. But you know, but it's still the more the more you can give yourself as you're making these decisions, you know, the better. So I think it creates a great opportunity, and I'm grateful for the fact that uh, you you created this work and shared it, and and it's touched so many folks. So, and Paul, I know we're kind of out of time here, but you know, I of course I'm going to link the book to the show notes. We'll make sure that's in there. But uh, are there any other resources that you'd like to make available to our audience as they're kind of thinking through this? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I, I would I don't know of any particular resources that I would recommend, but I will say this. There are a million different personality type assessments online now, mm. and not all of them are, <clears throat> excuse me, are not all of them are equally valid or equally good. So I would say try to vet the source because you know anybody can say anything um, online, and and often they do. They do. So um, there's a there's a there is a resource called Truity T R U I T Y, Truity dot com uh -huh. that is. Um, very good, very knowledgeable, a lot of research base. Um, I, I would say that would be the one that I would go to first. Got it. Okay. Truity. 
Well, Paul, thank you. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to to bring this in. I know um, you invited some folks to help you out with the latest version of the book, right? And some folks that are kind of near and dear to your your life, right? Well, actually, yeah, the sixth edition of this book was written by my daughter, yeah, uh, Kelly, who is, you know, she's been marinating in this personality type stuff for a very long time. I, I wrote all these books with my former spouse, Kelly's mom. And um, and it, there came a time when Kelly just knew as much as I did. And she's she was a millennial. So um, the, the last edition of the book uh, had a lot of the uh, of the um, not only the careers updated, but interviews with people who are much younger. So it's a very relevant book. Um, listen, I just want to thank you, Mark, because um, clearly you are doing what you are. And uh, and it shows because you do a great job. Man, I appreciate that. That's all kind of you to say. We are hoping that uh, every time we get a voice like yours out here, it just adds something special and valuable to the journeys of those who are listening. So thank you again for the time. I appreciate you being a part of this. And uh, man, all the best uh, to you and the next steps. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, this is one conversation I hope you'll take very personally because that which sets you apart, your personality, might hold the key to finding the career you've been looking for. So is your temperament one of a traditionalist, an experiencer, a conceptualizer, or an idealist? Do you remember what each entails? If not, I'd encourage you to rewind our conversation today and make some notes about the one that you think you are. Or better yet, follow the link in the show notes to get the book. And if this sparks something in you and you feel like you'd like to have some support thinking it through, you can always reach out to us at revealtalent.com. We'd love to be a career advocate for you.